This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavua Shirat. This year, Tavshin Ayin, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Vaxman. This week, Pashat Chukat, I would like to speak about the famed, well-known, yet ever-challenging story found in Bamidbar Perakaf, the story that we know that the Torah terms May Meriva, the waters of strife. Beginning here in Bamimba Parakaf, Pasuk Aleph, as an introduction, the Torah says as follows. And the entire community of Israel came to the Midbar Tzin, the Tzin wilderness, the first month, unclear what year at this point. And they dwelt in Kadesh, and Miriam died and was buried there. And the Torah continues on, there was no water. And of course, the people gather against Moshe, and in Pasuk Gimel, and the people strove with Moshe, they ask for water. And after complaining for water, the people move on in the normal standard complaint fashion, and say, why have you brought us here to die? And finally, in Pasuk why have you brought us to die in the desert? Why have you taken us out of Egypt? Kind of standard complaint story. Of course, we should remember how the story plays out. Moshe turns to God, and God gives him instructions. Uh, God tells him in Pasuk, Take the stick and gather the community. Um, you and Aaron, your brother, and speak to the rock in front of their eyes, and it will give forth its waters, and you will bring forth water for them from the rock, and you will water the flock and their, and their cattle. But of course, as we well remember, this is not exactly how it turns out. Moshe indeed does gather the community. Moshe indeed does take the stick. But as opposed to speaking uh, to the rock, after speaking to the people and accusing them of rebellion, Parakaf Pasukit Aleph says as follows, Vayarim Moshe et Yado, Moshe lifted up his hand, Vayachet Asela Bamateo, and he hit the stick with his, he hit the rock with his stick, Pa'amayim, twice, Vayetumayim Rabim, and of course a lot of water came out. So Moshe, instead of speaking to the rock, hits the rock, and God's reaction is quick, quick, swift, and what might, what, what, what one might characterize as near vicious. Parakaf Pasukit Bet, Near the end of the story, he says as follows: "Vayom Hashem el Moshe vel Aaron." Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron, "Yaan lohemantem bi lahakdisheni deinei bnei Yisrael." Because you did not literally translate, you did not believe in me, or you did not have faith in me, or you did not keep faith with me. The term emunah here being connected to faith and reliability, lahakdisheni to sanctify me deinei bnei Yisrael in the eyes of bnei Yisrael. Lachen lo tabiyat kalazel al aritz shenatati lahem. Therefore, you will not bring the people into this land that I give to them. Hema memriva, these are the waters of strife, etc. So Moshe and Aaron, or Moshe, is punished um, for his actions at memriva, for hitting the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock. And, of course, this is the end, so to speak, of the career of Moshe. Moshe does not enter the land of Israel, as we will remember. Now, of course, the obvious question which I've kind of already hinted at in my characterization of God's reaction, might be phrased as follows. Does not God's reaction seem slightly out of proportion to the stimulus here? After all, what did Moshe really do here? He was spoke to speak to the rock um, while holding the stick in his hand. 
So instead, he hit the rock. Um, one might say that oh, there's certainly some sort of lack of obedience, lack of strict adherence to the letter of God's commands. But on some plane, it's not exactly clear what the big deal is. And God's reaction, God's swift punishment of Moshe and statement that he will not enter land, enter land because of this requires some sort of explanation. What exactly is the great hate, the great sin, the great problem that Moshe is punished for here at Memriva? And this, of course, is the classic and standard question which I would like to discuss in the sheet work. Now, there is, of course, a, a famous, and also famous, but well-known and obvious connection between the story here in Bamidbar, Perikaf, the story of Memriva, and another story found earlier in the Chumash, um, back in Sefer Shmot, uh, I have in mind Shmot Perik Yud Zayin, a story uh, which we also often refer to by its name, the story of Masa Umuriva. Um, and um, I think the connections between the two stories actually, in some sense, help us strengthen the question of the problem of God's response, the problem of what went wrong, the problem of why is Moshe punished for his actions at Memriva for hitting the rock. Let's pick it up for the moment in Shmot Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk Aleph, and I think we will find something very interesting, especially if we flip back and forth between Shmot Perak Yudzayin, the story of Shmot on the one hand, and the story of Bamidbar Perkaf, uh, the story of Bamidbar on the other hand. So picking it up in Shmot Yudzayin, Aleph, the Torah says as follows. Vayisu b'nei midbar sin. Now, the word here is midbar sin, but if we think about the echo, Bamidbar Perkaf, Pasuk Aleph, opens with midbar sin. And there might be some sort of pun or some sort of quasi-connection here between the two stories. And we go on. Um, says, there is no water. And then Pasuk Bet says, pardon me, that was still in Pasuk Aleph. Pasuk Bet says, um, and the people strove with Moshe. Um, and demanded water. So, in fact... Um, all, both of these stories, both the story of Shemot Perak Yudzayin and the story of Bamidbar Perak Kaf, are their Bamidbar Sin, Bamidbar Sin stories, the story of the Midbar. Secondly, in both stories, we have the reference to Ein Mayim Lishtot Ta'am. There was no water for the people to drink. And third connection between the stories, Vayara Va'am, this phrase appears in Shemot Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk Bet, as well as, of course, uh, in Shemot, in Bamidbar Perak Kaf, Pasuk Gimel, Vayara Va'am in Moshe. Um, well, what else? Well, in fact, in point of fact, the kind of end or the solution to the problem in both stories is somewhat the same. Uh, picking up in Shmot Perak Yud Zayim, um, Pasuk He, uh, we read as follows. Take the stick... I'm going to stand in front of you on the rock at Chorev. You'll smite the rock. So on some level, there's a, at the very least a, a fourth parallel between the stories. Not just the notion of the Midbar Tzin, Midbar Sin, and not just the fact that Ein Mayim is no water in both stories, and not just the fact that the people strive in both stories, but also the solution of both stories is meant to be the same. The solution in both stories is a rock-stick solution. Uh, Moshe is told in Shemot Perek Yudzayin, Pasuk Bav, to take the rock and to hit the stick, and so he does. But likewise, in Bamidbar Perek Kaf, um, Moshe is told in 
her cup, cross exam, kachet amate, take the stick, and speak to the rock. The solution is a rock stick or a stick rock solution just as back in Bamidbar Sin, Bamidbar Sin, back in Shemot. And this is a fourth parallel between these stories. Now, um, the point being is that um, looking at this parallel, and certainly the two stories I mentioned form one the other, we can easily ask ourselves the following question. Can't we forgive Moshe um, for the mistake he made. In the very same circumstances last time around in Sefer Shemot, Moshe was supposed to take the stick and to hit the rock, and so he did, and the crisis was resolved. And here in Bamibar, God gives him this rather strange instruction of to hold the stick in his hand and to speak to the rock. And Moshe errs, um, and he takes the stick in his hand, and he hits the rock, which is kind of the logical thing to do. Um, but this slight variation, especially when Moshe is just doing the same thing he'd done last time around, what he well remembers, what seems to be the obvious thing to do. Can't we forgive Moshe's error? And again, the connection between the two stories, the fourfold parallel, the fact that they're both rock-stick stories, and that the solution last time was hitting the rock, raises the question of what exactly is the problem here with hitting the rock? What does Moshe do wrong? And isn't God's reaction to some extent out of proportion to the stimulus of Moshe's behavior? And again, this is just different ways to phrase the same kind of question. Now, there are an astounding number of answers to this problem, and I would like to map out um, the two directions that I think exist uh, in solving the problem. Um, one might be thought of as reading down uh, the sin of Moshe, uh, to some extent what I pushed until this point um, in the Shi'or. And the other might be thought of as kind of reading up uh, the sin of Moshe, explaining why he committed this sin or that sin or the other sin, or really what's so terrible about what happened here. And what I'd like to first do is kind of present what I think as the, what has become relatively recently the, the popular read-down solution uh, to the sin of Moshe here in the story of and then afterwards kind of um, present a counter, but I think something which kind of preserves the fundamental idea of reading down the sin of Moshe here in Bamidra Parakaf. Um, what has become popular in recent years is a... Um, shot and interpretation often attributed to a barbanel or which involves citing a barbanel. And as I understand the gist of it, uh, it involves taking a look at the beginning of Bamidur Parakaf um, and interpreting it in a certain kind of way. Let us go back for a moment to the beginning of Bamidur Parakaf, Pasuk Alv, which says as follows. In the first month, um, and the people dwelt in Kadesh. Now, interestingly enough, what the Torah does not tell us here um, is what year it is. It tells us it's the first month, but it doesn't tell us what year it is. But in point of fact, by putting together a few pieces, we can figure out quite easily what year it is. Um, if we take a look um, immediately following the story of uh, Meim Riva, found in the beginning of Bamir Parakaf, the Torah in Bamir Parakaf Pasek Kafbet says as follows, Meizumi Kadesh, and the people traveled from Kadesh where they had been. Um, they come to Har Hahar, a particular mountain. And Moshe said to God said to Moshe and Aaron at Harahar, El Gvul Eretzadom Leimar, Yasef Aaron Elamav, Kilo Yavo El Aaretz Ashenatati Bene Israel. Aaron is going to die uh, in or at Har Hahar, the place that the people come to apparently right after the story of Memriva found in the Bamibar of Parakaf. 
Now, we know, if we jump further ahead to Bamidbar, Perek, Lamid, Gimel, uh, to the list of Masot found at the beginning of Parshat Maseh, we're told in Bamir Perek Lamed Gimel Pasig Lamed Chet, Vayal Aron HaKohen El Horahor, Aron HaKohen went up onto the Horahor, Al Pi Hashem, by the word of God, Vayamat Sham, and he died there, Bishnat Arbeim Latzeit Bnei Yisrael Meir to Mitzrayim. He died there in the 40th year. So if Bnei Yisrael come to Horahor in the 40th year, and apparently shortly beforehand they were at Memeriva, or the story of Memeriva occurred, it is very reasonable to assume that the year that Memeriva happens in is the 40th year. So we're here at the very tail end of the people's time in the desert in the 40th year, and the way Bar-Midbar Parakaf Pasuk Aleph reads, Bechodesh HaRishon is the first month of the 40th year. Now what happens? Parakaf Pasuk Aleph reading on, Batamat Sham Miriam Batikaber Sham. And Miriam dies there, and she's buried there. Um, and the Chumash continues on and there was no water for the community and the interesting question is why exactly does the Torah go out of its way to mention the fact that Miriam dies what relevance does the death of Miriam have uh, to the story of May Meriva um, so uh, the answer uh, famously given by Rashi is that B'nai Israel, uh, based on Midrash, the B'nai Israel had a be'er, had a well, that accompanied them along on their desert journeys, um, which was there b'schut, by merit of the virtue of Miriam. And upon Miriam's death, the well was no longer there. And precisely because Miriam died and her virtue never, no longer provided them with water, Pasuk Bet says, Velo ha'mayim le'edah, um, there was no water for the community, and therefore the complaint for water, and the complaint against Moshe, and the sin of memory va ensues. Um, now, uh, this is quite nice as it goes in terms of Midrash, um, this notion that the Be'er accompanies B'nai Yisrael because of the merit of Miriam. Um, but there's a certain kind of principle, or yesod, uh, a core of pshat, of simple interpretation of the text, I think is certainly present here. The mention of the death of Miriam is some sort of preface, which is meant to inform our understanding of the story of Miriam, of the, of the punishment of Moshe and the death of Aaron. And if you really put it all together, B'nai Yisrael in the desert had three leaders on some plane. They had Moshe, uh, Miriam, and Aaron, or Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. And to put it in, to put it in place, a cursory look at Bamidbar, Perak Yudbet, the story of the Lashon of Miriam, Aaron against Moshe, and the claim by God that uh, Moshe is the ultimate Navigan, and therefore how they, they could speak against him, even if they were also Navigan, enforces that sense, that certainly in Tefer Bamidbar, there's a certain triumvirate of leadership of Moshe, Miriam, Aaron that leads the people. Um, now, if that's right, what Bamidbar Parakaf is about, it's about the scene of the 40th year and the slow but certain passing of the old guard, of the old leadership. Miriam dies. Moshe is no longer going to enter the land. And then we begin to talk about Aaron's death as well on Harahar. Effectively, Bamidbar Parakaf is a kind of transition narrative. And the idea is, is that maybe there isn't something or isn't anything so terrible about Moshe's actions at name Riva. And maybe there is no real sin per se that we can really put our finger on. Maybe something rather just vague. But there's a certain sense of a need for transition, of a passing of the old guard, of the old leadership in the 40th year. And this is really the fundamental dynamic of the parak. And we should read down the sin of Moshe as much as possible, that there is no sin. It's just time for him to pass, and therefore he passes. And as I said, I think some version of this interpretation has become popular relatively recently, and I think it was often attributed to our Barbanel. Now, um, while I think there's fundamentally something correct about this interpretation, 
I think it would be a fundamental mistake to phrase it in the extreme way uh, that I did. And this is because I believe uh, God disagrees. Um, if we take a look at Bamidbar, Perikaf, Pasek Yudbet, the punishment of God, we have to pay very careful attention to God's language here. Bamidbar, Perikaf, Pasek Yudbet, says as follows. Vayom Hashem Moshe Aaron. God said to Moshe Aaron, Ya'an, because lo he'emantem bi la'kitisheni le'ebnei b'nei Yisrael. You did not believe or you did not maintain faith with me to sanctify me in the eyes of b'nei Yisrael. L'chein, therefore, you will not bring the nation into the land that I am going to give them. Um, the phrase hamantem is a very strong phrase. Not to believe, not to have faith. That you didn't sanctify me. Another very strong phrase by God. And later on in Dvarim, God uses the term ma'altem, that you betrayed me. So certainly God seems to think there's some sort of hate, some sort of serious error here. And a kind of interesting parallel um, supports this. I referenced earlier Bamidbar uh, Perak Yudbet. If we go back to Bamidbar Perak Yudbet uh, for the moment, to the scene of Lashon Hara, of slanderous speech um, by Miriam and Aaron against Moshe, of course there God called out uh, the three of them uh, to the Oel Moed. And he spoke uh, to Miriam and Aaron and explained to them what's what. And Mamir Perak Yudbet, Pasuk Vav, says as follows, The normal prophet or your prophecy is through a vision or through a dream. Uh, not so my servant, my, my, my servant Moshe. Who is the faithful, the reliable servant? I speak to him mouth to mouth, face to face. A kind of intimate imagery. And Moshe is the faithful servant who can enter whenever he wants. Emunah is what Moshe is all about. And here... In Bamidbar Parakaf Pasuk Yudbet, in pronouncing Moshe's sin and punishment, God says, "Yan lo Moshe, you are not acting as Moshe." And certainly, the content of the language and the echo indicate that some sort of chait. And this takes us back to the original question: What exactly is the chait of Moshe here? What I would like to suggest is uh, again a kind of idea of or what I would like to suggest is kind of an approach that integrates something from the transition idea but at the same time maps out uh, a strong sense of what the chet or error of Moshe is. And to do so, I would like to return to the parallel between Bamidba Perak Kaf, our story, the story of Meimuriva on the one hand, and the story of Shmot Perak Zion, the story known as Masa Umuriva on the other hand. And I think there are certain very interesting, besides the connections and parallels that I mapped out earlier, the name, uh, the sin, sin, the lack of water, the striving, the claiming of why you take us out of Egypt, and the apparent resolution through a rock-stick resolution. I think despite these parallels, there are certain interesting and fascinating differences uh, between the stories. And I'd like to point to uh, perhaps two or three as a means for mapping perhaps a, a deeper understanding of the story of Memriva. Let us pick it up um, in Shemot Perikid Zion, uh, for the moment. Parakid Zayin, Pasuk Aleph, says as follows, Ve'yisu kaladat b'nei Yisrael mimidbar sin l'ma'asayim. The people traveled from midbar sin on their journeys, al-pi Hashem v'yachanu b'refidim, ve'ein mayim l'shtot ha'am. There was no uh, water for the am to drink. Ve'yarev ha'am in Moshe. 
and the people strove with uh, Moshe. Um, and their people here are identified. The identity of the people in the story of Shmot Perak Yudzayin is that of Am. And from Shmot Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk Aleph through Pasuk Zayin, in these seven Pesukim, the word Am appears uh, seven times. Um, moreover, in talking about themselves and self-identifying, um, if we take a look, for example, in Perak Yudzayin, Pasuk Gimel, where the people talk about why do you bring us out of Egypt to kill us, what the Torah says as follows. Uh, why did you take me out of Egypt to kill me, and my children, and my cattle? There's a certain sense of the identity of the people that emerges here. They are part of this Am, um, but they are individuals. There's an I. And their inclusion in the Am is because they are part of this Am. But Am seven times, and the I are the central features of the kind of identity of the people. Now, interestingly enough, in Bamibra Per Kaf, uh, in the story uh, of Main Riva, the identity of the people is um, presented quite differently. Um, if we pick it up, for example, in um, Perak uh, Kaf, um, Pasuk, Gimel, we read as follows, We've been better off dying when our brothers died uh, in front of Hashem. They talk of their brothers as opposed to themselves, which is quite interesting. Again, here they use the plural of anachnu, not the ani, and my cattle. Uh, they talk of their brothers, and there's a certain difference in self-identity, not as a I, but as a, as a we, they identify here in Parakhav. Now, I think what's connected to this is the fact that the word Am, although it does appear in the story of Bamibar Parakhav, Memriva, is to some extent supplanted by the word Kahal, and the identity of Kahal Hashem. Parakhav Pasig Dalit again says, V'lam ha'vetim et Kahal Hashem. Why have you brought the Kahal Hashem, the community of God? And the word Kahal, the stem Kuf Hei Lamid, sometimes as Vayikalu and they gather, or Kahal, um, is used seven times uh, in opposition almost to the usage of Am seven times in the story of Shemot. So we might say um, that um, on some level in Shemot, Perak Zion, the people have an individual identity with a kind of willy-nilly uh, de facto belonging to this rabble, this Am, as opposed to in Bamibar Parakaf. Um, 38 years later, where the people have a we identity, anachnu ubirenu, they belong to this kahal, this corporate identity where they talk of themselves as the community of God and they talk of their brothers. There's a major difference in identity um, between the story of Shemot Perak and Shemot Perak and that is one difference. Now, there is another crucial difference, which I believe, uh, based upon Hizkuni, uh, is the key to unlocking uh, the entire meaning of the story of Memriva. And that difference has to do with the fourth part of the parallel in this, between the stories that I mentioned earlier, the notion of the rock-stick resolution. Um, let us take a look in Shemot Perak Zion again, um, and let us go back there to Perak Zion Pasuk Hei, uh, which says as follows, the instructions of God to Moshe. Vayom Hashem Moshe, avor ha'am, Pass in front of the people. And the stick with which you hit the river, take in your hands uh, and go. Um, so the stick that Moshe is, ta- is instructed to take, the stick that is going to be 
um, the resolution uh, of the in, the in this rock stick story. The identity of the stick is the stick asherakita boateyar, the stick that you hit the river with. Now, I think uh, again here based upon Kaskuni that the identity of the stick in the rock stick resolution part of the story in Bamidbar Parakaf is different. Um, if we pick it up uh, in the instructions of um, Moshe uh, to God, God says. Take the stick, the stick. The stick is not really clear as, uh, what this means. Gather the community. Speak to the rock. Etc. And this is in the command section. In Pasuk Tet, the response section we read as follows. Moshe took the stick. There's a double reference to Hamate the stick. Um, and we're told this stick is Milifnei Hashem. The identity of the stick is not Asher which is its identity back in Sefer Shmot, but the identity of the stick here in Bamidbar is the stick Asher Lifnei Hashem, the stick that is in front of Hashem. And this is a difference. Now, what's the meaning of this? And what really is this, what is this stick uh, that is Lifnei Hashem? Well, to understand what is this stick that is uh, Lifnei Hashem, we need to go back to last week's uh, Parsha. Um, to uh, the aftermath of the rebellion of Korach. Um, in the aftermath of the rebellion of Korach, after the 250 Maktirik Toret had been consumed, after the earth had opened up its mouth and had consumed Korach uh, Va'adato, uh, the Mishkan Korach Datan Baviram, fascinating, and strangely enough, the people complained to God. Parakyud Zayin, Pasuk Vav, says as follows, All the people complained the next day against Moshe Hashem. You are killing the community of God. Uh, astounding. Uh, despite all of the fireworks and all of the thunder and all of the violence and all of the death, um, the rebellion has not been put down. The people here seem to support um, the the dead rebels and complain against Moshe Avron, Atem Hamitem. You are killing the community of God. Now God appears on the scene. This is Magifa. God is upset, but eventually there's going to be a resolution to this ongoing rebellion. And the resolution is mapped out beginning in Perak Yud Zion, Pasuk Yud Zion, where the Torah says the follows, or God says the follows. It's following. Israel. Speak to the children of Israel. Take one stick from each of the princes of each of the uh, heads of the houses. You take twelve sticks, one from each tribe. And the name of the head of each tribe is written on the stick. And then there's a tri- stick of the tribe of Levi that has Aaron's name written on it. Now, of course, what happens, Yudzayin Yudtet says, And you're going to place them in the tent of meeting that God meets there. The one that I choose as the leader, as the Kohen, uh, his mate will flower. And then that will end the complaints. Of course, we know how this happens. Moshe places the staff of Aaron along with the other staffs, the other sticks in the Omoe. Um, Aaron's stick flowers 
um, and uh, it, it and it appears upon it a kind of crown of flowers, and there are shkedim, and there are almonds, and then finally we're told in Parakid Zayin Pasuk Kafei, Vayom Hashem Moshe Hashev et Mate Aaron Lifnei Haedut Lishmeret Laot Lifnei Mary. Um, Hashem said to Moshe, put back the mate of Aaron, the stick of Aaron, lifnei ha'edut, put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant, in front of the testimony, in the Holy of Holies, lishmeret, as a sign, lot of Mary, as a, as a sign. Now, if this is correct, I, and, and what this means is that when we come back to Bamidbar Parakaf, to the story of uh, May Mariva, and in the, the section of accomplishment of God's command, we're told in Parakaf Pasuk Tet, from in front of Hashem, the Lifnei Hashem only has one meaning. The Lifnei Hashem is the stick of Aaron that was placed Lifnei um back in Bamidbar Parak Yudzayin, the stick that had flowered, um, the stick that had brought forth Ammon's Shkidim, the stick that had finally put down the rebellion uh, and the support for Korach and his rebels, it's that Mateh Aharon, um, the stick of Sefer Bamidbar, that Moshe is supposed to take. So in other words, a second crucial difference between the story of Shemot Yudzayin, the story of Masal and Yuvah on the one hand, and Bamidbar Parakaf, the story of Meim Riva on the other hand, is not just the identity of the people. Are they an eye-oriented group who are just part of this rabble of Am, as opposed to, are they a kind of corporate entity of we that self-identify as Kahal Hashem? But also the identity of the stick meant to be used in the resolution of the two stories, the stick rock resolution, where in Shmot, Perak Yud Zayin, the story of Masa'am Riva, it is the stick that Moshe hit the river with, the stick of Sefer Shmot, here in Bamibar, it is the staff of Aaron, the Mate Aaron, the one that had flowered and replaced in front of Nei Hashem, that is used to, supposed to be used in the stick rock resolution, the stick of Sefer Bamibar. Now, how does this help us and what does this all mean? I think to understand this, we need to go back a bit further and think about the symbolism or the meaning of the Mate Asher Hikita Bo Eteyar, um, the, the stick that Moshe used to hit the river. And to do so, we need to go all the way back to, to Shmot, uh, Perak Dalid, um, pardon me, uh, to Shmot, Perak Zion, Pasuk Yudalid. And here in Shmot, Perak Zion, Pasuk Yudalid, Moshe receives instructions um, for his encounter, his first serious encounter with Paro, and we read the following. Vayom Hashem Moshe. Um, God said to Moshe, "Kaved leiv paro, The heart of power was heavy. Uh, power was kashe. Power was hard. He refused to send the people. Leich al paro baboken eitzamayma. Paro is go to Paro in the morning. He's going to go out to the river, water to the river. V'nitzavte lekratol svatayar, and you're going to meet him at the river. And then Moshe said, God says to Moshe in Parak Zayin, Pasuk Tedvav Shmot, V'amate asher nefach lenachash tikach biadecha, and the stick." That you turned into a snake, taking your hand. Um, and then after you give him this little speech that he hasn't listened until this point, so says God. With this you'll know I'm God. Take Moshe is going to take the stick. And after giving Paro the speech about his not listening, because Paro is kaved because Paro is hard-hearted or heavy-hearted, he's going to take the stick, he's going to hit the water of the river, the Ya'ar, is the phrase that's used here in Zayin Yud Zayin, 
and it will turn into blood. What is the symbolism of this stick that turns the water into blood? Well, of course, in Mitzrayim, the Nile, the Ur, the river, is life itself. It's the source of life. There is no life without um, the river. And blood, the turning into dam, symbolizes the turning of life into death. The stick is the death-dealing stick. The stick hits the river, and the stick turns the source of life into death. The stick kills, it's the stick of dam. And this is explicit in the next Pasuk, in Pasuk Yudchet, tamut, the fish will all die. And by giving Paro this oath or this sign, it's a harbinger of what's to come for Paro. What's to come for Paro is death if he does not deliver the people, or does not release the people. Paro is hard-hearted, Paro is difficult, and stick, and the violence of the stick, and the symbolism of violence and death with the hitting of the stick is the right symbol for dealing with Paro. Um, now, uh, just to point out, this has already turned into a nachash. And nachash also symbolizes death, because in the story of Gan Eden, um, it's death that enters the world through the means of the nachash. So the stick, which turned into a nachash, turns, uh, turns the river into blood, and it symbolizes violence, death, and the power um, that defeated Paro. Of course, this is the stick of the makot. This is the stick that redeemed the Jewish people from Egypt. The question becomes, what is the right symbol or the right means, or the right resolution for Shmot Perik Yud Zion, the story of Masam Riva. A newly released rabble, a group of slaves, who do not even necessarily identify as a corporate entity, as a people. They're concerned for themselves. They're just an Am. And they ask themselves, uh, and they ask, is God amidst us or is God not amidst us? For this newly released rabble of slaves, the right resolution is the staff. The staff of violence, the show of strength, um, the means by which they were redeemed from Egypt, and therefore God tells Moshe, take the stick, Asherakita Boatayar, which with you hit the river, the stick of violence and power and death, and make a show of strength and put the people in their place. And this is the right means and the right message for Sefer Shmot, for that door, for that people at that time. But now we come to Sefer Bamidbar. And we come to the 40th year, 39 years later. And 39 years later, the people are a different people. They're no longer individuals, just willy-nilly part of this Am that's been taken out of Egypt, a kind of newly released rabble of slaves. Rather, they're Kahal Hashem, the community of God, that identifies as a we, that has a sense of self. And the question they ask here is, is altogether different in some way. And their needs are altogether different. And Hashem says to Moshe, take a different stick. Take the stick of Bamidbar. Take the stick that had flowered. Take the stick where the people who complain you're killing the community of God and the staff of Aaron that it flowered, that it gave forth its sits in Shkedim, it symbolizes life. Um, while the Mateh of Moshe is the stick of violence and death, the Mateh of Aaron is the stick of flowering life. And it symbolizes the fact that God's leadership and the leadership of Moshe of Aaron as sanctifying God's name is supposed to bring life and not death to Am Yisrael. So God says, take the stick which symbolizes the power of life and hold it in the air as a sign to the people and speak to the rock. Don't hit the rock. Because speaking to the rock, speaking as opposed to violence, also symbolizes life. And the intended resolution in Masa'um Riva is supposed to continue the theme of Sefer Bamibar, the emphasis of the life-giving quality of God's leadership, the exact antithesis of Sefer Shemot. What is Moshe's error? Moshe takes the stick of Sefer Bamidbar, which is supposed to symbolize flowering life, and he holds it in the air. And instead of speaking to the rock as a continuation of the sending of that message to the people, to the new door, he uses it exactly like the stick 
of Sefer Shemot. What are we told? He hits the rock twice. He completely subverts and undermines the meaning of the stick of Sefer Bamidbar. He uses it in the sense of violence. He uses it as his power. He uses it as the symbol of death, as the Matem Moshe, which hit the river, was used. And in this sense, he sends exactly the wrong message for this point in time to the people. And God's response is swift and vicious and clear. Moshe, you were not reliable. You did not sanctify me. You did not act differently. You did not show that my leadership is different. And this is is the hate of Memriva, the sin of Memriva. This is why Moshe is punished, because he demonstrates the wrong leadership for the wrong door at the wrong time. To pull this all together, I think what we should realize here is that, on the one hand, there's something fundamentally correct about the transition interpretation of this narrative. Um, we deal here with a new generation, new needs, a new crisis, a different book. Um, and on some level, Moshe is not the right kind of leadership, or is not able to find in himself the right kind of leadership for this point in time. But at the same time, we've also here supported God's words that there is some sort of clear chait of Yan Tisheni, that Moshe's action is incorrect. And this, I think, might help bring things together on some level. Okay.